Shalom and welcome to this week's Think Jewish and um, like to dedicate tonight's class to the full recovery of a dear friend of this class, Chaya Vartakovskaya and uh, Chaya Batleya. Um, she's the one that was always sponsoring the food and everything and calling everyone. So only appropriate that we dedicate this class to her complete Rufo Shalema and have her back here very soon. So the title of today's class is called Beloved. Subtitle, I am unto you, my beloved. Okay? So let's just give a little introduction. Today, today was, is, well actually after sunset, today was the 18th day of the month of Elul, giving it the name Chai. Chai, you know, is the number 18. The two Hebrew letters that make up the word Chai is Chet 8 and Yud 10, 18. And therefore this, this day is called Chai Elul. And Chai meaning life. And thus this day is said to be the day which imbues the Elul month, the Elul spirit and the Elul work that we have to do in preparation of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which is primarily the work of Torah study, prayer, charity, mitzvah observance, and teshuva. It imbues it with chai, life. This is chai Elul, the life imbued into Elul. Additionally, another thing you may not know is that, well, you do know, you know your mathematics, um, chai Elul is exactly 12 days before Rosh Hashanah, right? 18 and 12 is 30. So, we are actually taught a very interesting teaching that from Chai Elul until Rosh Hashanah, these 12 days, each day is the gateway to be able to do Tikkun, correction for an entire corresponding month of last year. So for example, on the day of Chai Elul, we, can, we actually have a gateway, an opportunity to rectify all of the month of Tishrei, the high holiday month of last year so forth and so on. Interesting, it's 12 days, even if it's a leap year. So I'm going to make the assumption, even though I didn't hear this from any of my teachers, I'm going to make the assumption that both months, the leap year, the two months of Adar, are both represented through the sixth day of these 12 days. Okay? So we now know two very special things about the month, uh, the day of Chai Elul. It's the life, it imbues new life and a life force into Elul and all of the work of Elul. And also it begins a process of a day for a month, a day for a month. That's all we really knew about this day of Chai Elul until the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe, Rab Sholem Dovber Lubavitch, revealed to his son, the sixth Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak of Lubavitch, that this day of Chai Elul was number one, the birthday of the Holy Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, the founder of all Hasidis, in the year Nachat, which is 5458, which BCE is 16, I'm sorry, ACE, 1698. Okay? And also, this very day is also the day that the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, founder of Chabad Lubavitch, was born in the year 5505 after common error, secular counting. 
is 1745. 1745 is the year that the Alter Rebbe was born. Interesting, but just that you know, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe told his son, and you should know a way to remember this is Wednesday, the verse says in creation, and God placed the two greater luminaries in the sky. So too it was on the day of Chai Elul, that day God placed the two greater luminaries in the sky, the luminary of the Baal Shem Tov, who brought to us the teachings of Hasidus in general, and then two generations later, um, the Alter Rebbe, Rav Shnei of Liadi, uh, brought us the, the greater luminary that brought us A, the teachings of Chabad and Tanya, and B, his famous code of Jewish law, Shulchan Aruch. Okay, you now understand that for Hasidim, knowing this amazing concept brought a whole new chai life into Elul. So, I want to share with you a little bit of a teaching on the month of Elul. But before I do that, I want to just give you some interesting facts. The names of the Jewish calendar months, where did they come from? Tishrei, Cheshrein, Kislev, Tevet, Shvat. Where do they come from? You don't find them anywhere in the five books of Moses at all. As a matter of fact, for most of all of Tanakh, which is the, bo the five books of Moses, the prophets and the scriptures, almost always you will find that the months are called by their numerical name. As the verse says concerning Rosh Hashanah, it actually says on the first day of the seventh month. Concerning Yom Kippur, on the tenth day of the seventh month. Concerning Passover, the 15th day of the first month. So we don't have no names. Where did the names come from? Actually, the names came when the Jews came back in the times of Ezra from Babel, from Babylonia. And you should know that they're actually Babylonian names to the months that the Jews brought back with them. So actually, they don't have Jewish source. And nevertheless, something really amazing, there are numerous teachings on the names of different months that we study. Very interesting. We actually delve into deeper meanings of this. And not just in Hasidus, but even in other places, Kislev and then Tishrei, you have a lot of. But Elul is unique. That Elul is the only month in which the teachings upon the name of the month is actually documented in the code of Jewish law. Not in the books of Musr, not in the mystical books of Hasidus and Kabbalah, but actually documented in Jewish law. How so? So let's see. The month of Elul, which is a Babylonian name as we said, but when you write it out in Hebrew letters, it spells out four, there's four different letters. Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed, Elul. Now in the code of Jewish law, we actually go and quote different phrases from different verses, which the first letters of each word of the four words of the phrase actually creates the acronym Elo. One of the most famous verses that people know is Ani Lidodi Vidodili. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is unto me. So if you take the first letters, Ani is Aleph, Lidodi Lamid. Vidodi Vav Li Lamed Elul. 
and that's not the only one you have different you have five different verses and each one of these verses are brought to a different theme for example dodi vedodi li, I am to my beloved my beloved is unto me is represents prayer um, there's another one in the about the person who murders someone by accident so over there we say that's the acronym for Teshuvah um, from the Megillah those first four words that we give presents one to another and money to the poor we learn out the concept of um, of charity so we literally take the name Elul which is not from Jewish source but it has become pretty much now Torah because Torah has given value and has searched for meaning Jewish meaning Torah teachings in those verses okay Okay, so we have the verse that I told you, Ani Lidodi Vidodi Li. And here's interesting. This represents the concept of Elul. And here's another interesting teaching. If you take the last letters of those four words, right? Ani Lidodi Vidodi Li. All those four words end with the same letter, which is the letter Yud. What is the numerical value of the letter Yud? 10. 10 times 4 is 40, which is another connection between this verse and the month of Elul because we're now entering, well, the month of Elul, we enter into a 40-day process. 30 days of Elul preparing for the high holidays, and then you have the 10 special days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. So we do have a very strong connection between the Anili Dodi Vidodi Li, the 4 times 10. This verse really has deep meaning and deep insight and deep guidance and direction to the month of Elul. That's what it says in the holy books. Now let's get a little more precise. When you get a little more precise with the four words of this verse, you'll see that there's two phrases. Anili Dodi, I am unto my beloved. Vidodi li, and my beloved is unto me. So we're actually taught in Hasidus that the first phrase represents the 30 days of Elul. The second phrase represents the 10 days of Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. Why? Because Elul is primarily about what? Teshuvah, returning, repentance. What is that all about? Ani lidodi, I from below am reaching up to my beloved God above. We call that milmata lemala, isrusa de lesata. It's where the human being begins the process of the relationship, and that is the concept of doing teshuva, returning. Vidodi li is my beloved is unto me. That's what we call Isrusa de Le'ela, from above to below. That is the days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and the days in between which creates that 10-day period, the Aseret Yemei Teshuvah. Why? Because we are taught that in those days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, those amazing 10 days, the mother flame, God, is in full revelation which thus causes to draw in, it draws in the sparks, which is our souls. 
Thus, those 10 days are special feeling of spirituality and Jew Jewishness and close to God does not come from below to above, but rather it's from above to below and my beloved is unto me. So really this verse is broken into two. Anilidodi is the Elul concept, the Elul experience, Teshuva. I am reaching up to return to my beloved. Vidodi Li really refers to the 10 days, represents the 10 days from Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, which is what we call from above below, the revelation of the mother flame, God drawing us into him. Which leads us to a very practical question. The entire four words of those of that phrase spells out what word? The month of Elul. Yet I just told you, not really. The first two words, I am unto my beloved, is about the Elul experience. And my beloved is unto me, is about the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur experience. But that's not what the acronym is. The acronym isn't Elul and Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. The acronym is actually just Elul, which means that this entire experience, both the I am unto my beloved from below to above, and my beloved is unto me from above to below, is all part of the Elul experience. Mind you, there are other words that are used with the acronym that's not just Elul. For example, there's a famous verse that says, Arya Yishag Milo Yira. The lion roars, who will not be afraid? Who will not tremble? The word lion, Arya, has also four letters. Aleph, Reish, Yud, Hey, And there we have a different acronym. Aleph, Elul, Reish, Rosh Hashanah, Yud, Yom Kippur, Hey, Hoshana Rabbah. So when the teaching wants to include more than just Elul, we know how to do that. Yet here specifically, all four words, the first part of the phrase and the second part of the phrase, the experience of from below to above Teshuvah and from above to below God drawing us in, all is part of the acronym of Elul. And yet we just said, not so. We said that Ani Lidodi, I am unto my beloved, is Elul. Vidodi Li is Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. That's a question that's asked in many times in Hasidus. In 1969, the Rebbe delivers a mimer in which the Rebbe brings a whole new dynamic to the entire beloved relationship. This concept of beloved, having a relationship to God, my beloved. And by that whole new dynamic, we will have this question answered. So let's go ahead and see, okay? The month of Elul is actually, the entire experience of the month of Elul is expressed in one verse in chapter 27 of Tehillim, which is actually a verse that we say every single day of Elul, twice a day in our prayers. By David, the David Hashem Ori. Verse number eight in that chapter says as follows. Lecha amalibi, let me read to you straight in English. On your behalf, my heart says, seek my presence. Your presence, O Lord, I will seek. That's really what the Elul is all about, right? What did we just say? Ani lidodi, I am unto my beloved, 
basically the concept of teshuva is right there to seek God now the Hebrew word for the word presence in that verse right it says seek my presence the Hebrew word used for that verse is the word panai now panai literally in Hebrew has two meanings one is panai refers to the face you probably heard that terminology from your grandparents Ashenapunim means a nice face Panim and also comes from the word Pnimiyut which means interior which in Hasidus refers not to the expression level but the inner essence level okay now that you know that I want to revisit the verse and see the deeper layer of this verse according to Chassidus. Because according to Chassidus, this verse tells us all about the month of Elul. Lecha amalibi. What does that mean? What it presently, <coughs> sorry. What it means is the experience of Elul is all about doing Teshuvah. What is Teshuvah? What does returning mean? Returning means going back to the inner essence of my soul, the inner essence of my heart. The inner essence of my heart is the house, the home of the inner essence of my soul. So what is the work, work of the Teshuvah of Elul? I have to go and dig, dig under all the layers of my heart until I reach the inner essence of my heart. So thus you understand the way Chassidus sees this is that the first level of Bakshu as Ponai to seek out my, my inner essence is the Jew seeking out his own inner essence. That's called doing Teshuvah. And then what is the outcome of that? The outcome of that is that when you go ahead and you dig deep and you really get into peeling away all the external layers which society has placed upon us, our Yitzhahara has placed upon us and yada yada, what happens then when I reach the inner essence of my soul, I then have the fulfillment of my request that I then find the face of God, the inner essence of God, so to speak. Because the inner essence of my heart, my soul, is what? To quote the words, truly a piece of God. Thus, when I can work over my heart, shed the layers, make them transparent to the inner essence of my soul, the inner essence of my heart, what I'm actually experiencing is having the revelation of the inner essence of God. Thus, I'm having a relationship with the face of God. Now we understand what it means. Bakshuas panai, my face, my inner essence. Okay? Now, there's another verse. The verse I just read you, I read to you, was from the book of Psalms, King David. King David is telling us what the secret of the month of Elul is that lacha amalibi, you got to go into your heart. And not only go into your heart, but dig until you find Panai, the inner essence of your heart, in which lies the inner essence of your soul. And there you will find the fulfillment of the ultimate request to be one and to see the face of God. Okay? There's another verse, however, in Deuteronomy 
which says the same thing but we're going to be very precise with three emphases that differ in this verse let me read you this verse and this will tell us the deeper yet dimension to what is really going on in Elul the verse says like this is in Parshas Vedchanan Deuteronomy and from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul seems to be the same verse right seeking God but here's a very here's some very interesting emphasis I want to make three emphasis number one over here the emphasis is and from there you will seek God number two the concept of find him we're going to talk about what the halachic and the Talmudic definition of finding something is and it seems to be that one is connected to the other why will you reach the level of find him is because you are searching for him from there which leads me to the third emphasis in the word the verse of Tehillim the word used is bakshu the word bakshu is much less than the word that we use here which is vidarashta I want to just share with you what the halachic definition of the word vidarashta is and why does it have a halachic definition because the judges are commanded in the Torah when they question the witness it's vid you should do a drisha and a hakira not just ask them about their testimony but do a drisha a drisha means a diligent and strenuous search for the truth and thus the judges we learn out of here don't just ask direct questions they ask indirect questions it's a whole different experience baksha is one experience and vidarashta is a whole different experience and only through vidarashta only through that more strenuous search can you reach the highest level of and finding him I'm gonna I'm gonna set this all up for a moment but I just want to be clear about the three emphasis number one Misham from there number two Umatsata and you will find and number three Vidarashta not just plain looking for God but Vidarashta okay now this one I'm about to tell you now exists in many levels it exists within the Jewish people as a whole it exists within every Jew and exists within our annual cycle there is the righteous and there is the Baal Teshuvah that's how the Jewish people are divided you have a handful of the righteous people and the rest of us are all our life is goal is to be a Baal Teshuvah so number one within our people we have both we have tzaddikim, the righteous few, and then you have those who are consistently traveling the journey of being a Baal Teshuvah. Within every person you have the same. There's a piece of us which is absolutely pure and does not struggle with expressing it. And then within us there's the, the Baal Teshuvah. And then in the annual cycle we have both 
the month of Nisan, Passover, represents the experience of righteous. The month of Elul, going into the high holidays, which are called the days of awe, they are the experience and service of being a Baal Teshuvah. Now, what happens here? Let's understand this whole concept of a Baal Teshuvah. To understand the concept of Baal Teshuvah, we need to understand why would it be that God would set us up, besides the handful, the 36 hidden tzaddikim or whatever it may be, why would God set us up that we have the inner essence of our soul, which is hidden, which allows for layers and layers to come along and cover it, which then allows for total foreign behaviors, egocentric behaviors. Why? Why would Hashem allow this? And the answer is going to be, I'm going to first state it in one sentence and then we're going to work it. Okay? The only way to reach that amazing revelation of find Him, quote, is through vidorashto, strenuous searching. And the only way to create the need and possibility for vidorashto within a Jew, every Jew, is intrinsically close to God. Thus a Jew intrinsically and naturally does not understand, never experiences having to strenuously search for God. The only way to do that to the neshama is by creating this experience of there. So the inner essence of the soul will never experience a vidarashta, strenuously search for God, just doesn't happen. It is in consistent closeness and consciousness of God. Thus you now understand that these three emphases of this verse is a very clear setup from God. Why so? Because the righteous, the righteous do not experience ever a vidorashto you will strenuously seek. Why? The reason they never have to strenuously search is because they're never experiencing there. They're always here. And on top of that, that means that their prayers to God is never one of deep beseeching and begging. It's the amazing natural communication between the inner essence of the soul and God, which is to simply just ask. It is only when we quote-unquote corrupt this intrinsically natural closeness of the soul to God that we all of a sudden, A, have the concept of there, B, we now have to have the concept of vidorashta, not a natural, just simply turn around and talk to God. No, we have to strenuously search for God. Which then leads us to the greatest experience, which simply speaking, tzaddikim don't have. The righteous don't have this concept of matzata. Find. <laughs> you know, someone once told me in response to these bumper stickers, you know, we found God. So he said he always wanted to make a bumper sticker saying we never lost him for the essence of the soul for the tzaddik he never finds God 
because he never lost God. So on some level, that natural flow keeps it in a finite experience. It's only because about Shuva, he had a moment or she had a moment where we were thrown into the there because God allows for our soul to be hidden. A tzaddik, the inner essence of his soul, is his plain and practical consciousness. All the other layers of his soul are absolutely pure and transparent. But because we have the hiddenness of our, the essence of our soul, on top of that is layers upon layers, and we're always hearing two voices. And like that famous saying, right? Why does opportunity knock softly while temptation smashes down the door? That's our experience. And thus we're really living in that paradigm of being there, not here. That allows for this amazing concept of teshuva in which you have to fight upstream. You know, like the salmons going to mate. They have to fight upstream. And in that upstream vidarashta, it's only there that we can happen upon this unprecedented gift of and find him. Okay? Now let's talk about the concept of finding for a moment, okay? The Talmud has a very interesting statement. Three things only come through Hesachadas. Hesachadas means not consciously. One of those things is finding something. The whole concept of finding something in the sense of happening upon something which is beyond your capacity. So if we're going to look at this notion of finding something as you work, you work, you work, and you work, but your work, I mean, regularly speaking, your work has its finite, compassion, uh, finite capacity between the cause and effect. Finding something would be a total windfall which you had no way to solicit. It happened. Now, this concept in the Talmud is very problematic for our verse. Let's go back to our verse. What does the verse say? Umisham, and from there you will seek me. Not just seek me regular, but vidarashta. You will strenuously seek me. So it doesn't make sense in this verse to use the word find me. It should have said the word, earn a relationship with me. Because it comes in relationship to your working for it. When you work for something, you don't find your paycheck, you earn your paycheck. So according to the Talmudic definition of umatsata, metzia, that you can only find something when you're not consciously looking for it, that word should not be in this verse. Because this verse is very clearly telling you th that you have to work and work hard for it. Thus, Chassidus gives us an unbelievable insight to what's going on here. The word hesechadas, which means a break in your conscious, that you weren't consciously working for it, actually has a whole beautiful, deeper meaning 
because that is the finite capacity of your consciousness. Hesachadas, according to the teachings of Hasidus, is that unbelievable level of the infinite transcending of the conscious mind. Thus you understand that what the verse is saying, that the power of teshuva, but not just regular teshuva, the teshuva comes from the pain of feeling absolutely alienated, lonely, separated, veer. That, when that hits you, and therefore you're strenuously against all odds, working your way back to find your inner essence, to find the face of God. What happens when you dig for that is that not only you get what you earned, but Teshuvah brings about the unprecedented relationship with the inner essence, the face of God. Do you remember what God told Moses about seeing his face? You cannot see my face and live. Moses was a tzaddik. And yet what are we saying here? The Balteshuva does reach there. Why does he reach there or why does she reach there? Because that work of Vidarashta, strenuously searching, not only brings you back what you earn, but helps you transcend from the finite conscious relationship to the infinite beyond conscious relationship with God. Thus we now understand the beauty of what God did. I want to stop for a moment. This is not in my notes, but I'm just reading faces here. I want to share with you something that most people don't know. Why don't we know it? Because if you read the first verse in Rashi, it doesn't seem to make sense what I'm about to say. Rashi says that the world was created for what? For the Jewish people to do the Torah. The bottom line is that the Torah existed before creation. The bottom line is that the essence of the soul existed before creation the bottom line is that the jewish people having a soul and the torah is what god gave us so if you think about that how can that be the reason for creation there's nothing new god's just playing out what already existed right so there's a very interesting teaching that ultimately speaking the reason God created the world was not for Torah and mitzvot, but was for something that did not exist before creation. Can you tell me what's the only thing that did not exist before creation? Teshuvah. Teshuvah is the product of us. Because if Adam would not have eaten from the tree, and we wouldn't have the evil inclination, and we wouldn't be doing sin, what God created mankind straight and perfect Perfect has no room for teshuvah. The Torah is perfect. Perfect has no room for teshuvah. God is perfect. Perfect has no room for teshuvah. So I just want to really share with you what this verse is saying according to Chassidus. God's creating this notion, this concept of us being so imperfect because our perfect inner self is completely hidden, allowing for layers and layers and layers to pile up upon it. This creates the notion, the concept, the experience of misham, from there. There means the other side. The other side means evil and sin. That is why God created this world. So that we should sin. 
because then we will do what is unprecedented, which is teshuvah. Now you can understand the beautiful insight and, under, and, and be able to digest why through teshuvah you reach something that even the perfect tzaddik doesn't reach. Because the perfect tzaddik is exactly as planned. It existed before within and now it's existing without. It's happening in the physical world, in creation. However, if you think about it for a moment, the concept of teshuva is the unprecedented concept. It didn't exist prior to. And thus the deepest, newest, if we can use the word new by God, which we can't, but the deepest, newest experience of a re revelation of divinity will come about specifically through teshuva. More so than the never sinning Torah study and mitzvah observance. And now we understand the beauty of why God allowed this to happen. That there should be a here and a there. And the Jewish people which their soul is an absolute product of here can be thrown into the deer. Causing it not to just be able to turn around and talk to its father. But to actually have to diligently and strenuously search and beseech and beg for his father. The mother flame. God. Because in that process... We have an unprecedented newness which draws upon an unprecedented new revelation and relationship with God. So much so that it's called a metziah, a finding. That which can only come through hesachadas, not a perfect conscious mindset. Okay? Now, let's go back to that concept of Elul. Both phrases are really part of the Elul. On one hand, what is Elul about? All, the, all about the Teshuvah. What is the Teshuvah? Like we see in Deuteronomy, also expressed in King David's verse, is what? That from the deer I will strenuously search for you. What is that? And I am unto my beloved. However, tell me, what was hidden all along within the there. Even when the Jew and his soul was thrown into there, all along within him hidden was the inner essence. Thus you understand that even the my beloved is unto me, really existed all along within the Elul, not just in the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And actually, it is what the teshuva on the deepest level is all about. Finding that inner essence. And thus bringing to revelation that all along, my beloved is unto me. The full circle. Okay? In closing. What is the practical actions of this Elul Teshuvah. We're talking huge spiritual, you know, words. Vidarashta, not only you should have to seek him, but you have to strenuously search him out. Let's get practical. What does it mean practically speaking? We find the word Vidarashta, that strenuously seeking, 
we find it also in one of the principles of how we extrapolate from the words of the Torah. So you know that the five books of Moses was written in a way that we must have extrapolation. Without extrapolation, we don't understand anything. For example, just one of the most classical examples. The verse says that you cannot do any work on Shabbat. Without extrapolation, we have no idea what the word work means. So much so that most people in conventional wisdom don't understand. So you're telling me I could walk three miles on Shabbat if, if it's within a city, even if it's sweating and boiling hot or raining in Florida, but I cannot start for one second that beautiful car and experience the air conditioning and drive to shul? Which would you say is called work? Turning on a car or walking in the pouring rain or in the boiling heat? So without extrapolation, we have no understanding of what God means in the Torah. But this extrapolation isn't a free-for-all. There are specific principles of how to extrapolate. One of the principles of extrapolation is called as follows. Diminishing, adding, and diligently searching out the extrapolation. Goirin, diminishing. Umasifin, adding. Vidorshim, again that word, darashta, vidorshim. So, what it means, simply speaking, is that when we have related issues, there is a process of how you diminish certain letters, add certain letters, to be able to extrapolate a whole issue. It has a lot what to do. There are certain words that you can write full or without full, depending on the vowels. I'm not going to get into the principle. That can be a total different class. What I want to work on here is, what is the Hasidic hidden dimension from this principle of extrapolation to the individual person and his service to God. It's all about teshuva. First of all, there has to be diminishing. What does diminishing mean? Diminishing means simply, we have to diminish our egocentric expression of actions of selfish pleasure. Plain and simple. The 365 no-nos, prohibitions, are really no-nos. So we have to diminish that expression, that egocentric expression of self, which is driven by to, to do selfish pleasure. That's step number one. Number two, we have to add. What do we have to add in? We have to add in our Jewish behavior of Torah study, doing mitzvot, and selfless service to others. That is what practical teshuvah is. So while we may think that the true teshuvah experience is the absolute breaking down and tears and screaming and fasting and hurting yourself, afflicting pain upon yourself. So I'll tell you a simple story. Someone once came to the Rebbe by a Fabrengen and asked the Rebbe, I did so and so. That's the way it was in the earlier years, before my years. You would actually walk up to the Rebbe and he told the Rebbe, I did so and so and I need a tikkun for my soul. There was a great man there, a great Hasidic mentor there. And the Rebbe turned around and said, and what does Rab Nissen say? The name of this great mentor, this great uh, Mashpia. His name was Rab Nissen Nemanov, who uh, first obviously was in Russia. In the times of the 5th Lubavitch Rebbe, then the 6th Lubavitch Rebbe, then our Rebbe. He came to Paris and he was the mentor of the yeshiva, the Chabad yeshiva in Brunois, which is still a fabulous yeshiva till this very day, which is now run by his children. So the Rebbe turned around and said, and what does Rab Nissen say? 
Rab Nisrin, as great as a mentor he was, he realized that a Rebbe is a Rebbe, and he's just a mentor, and he wanted the Rebbe to give the tikkun, not him. So he kept quiet. The Rebbe wouldn't let go. The Rebbe asked a second time, On Vosok Rab Nisrin, and what does Rab Nisrin say about this? Seeing that the Rebbe is demanding an answer, so he gave the classical answer. Let him do Teshuvah. The minute he said those words, the Rebbe picked up his hand and went like this. Ah! Made like with his hand. No! Zola Tom Vasadarf. Let him do what he has to do. You know, we create this unbelievable phenomena called Teshuvah as if it's a, such an outer body, a spiritual experience. Teshuvah means plain and simple. Change our ways. We're living in the ego self, egocentric, selfish, pleasure-driven life. Teshuvah means to change that. Change that means diminish those behaviors. Start adding on to the behaviors of Jewish behaviors. Torah study. Doing mitzvot. Selfless service to others. To all creations. And then you experience the third step is Vidarshim. Then you can have the beautiful experience of Elul, which comes from that strenuously searching for God. So now we have the practical part of the Mimer. It's all beautiful. We all get excited when we hear the spiritual dimensions, face of God, this and that, and our faces kind of drop when we talk about what you mean I got to stop this and start that? Yeah. That's what Teshuvah is really all about, and that's really the deepest connection to Hashem and that's the real experience of I am to my beloved and my beloved is unto me peeling away the layers that hide your inner essence is very simple it's very practical it's diminishing the selfish driven actions adding the selfless driven actions and then you're in a mindset to true I'm sorry to truly search for God and reach the level umatsata, and you will find him, which is the ultimate experience. And my beloved is unto me. Thank you.